0: what to take with you and what to let go of. If you have ever moved all of your belongings from one place to another, you know that this can be a challenge. As I prepared for my move here to Congregation Emmanuel after 18 years in Seattle, a friend told me the story of his parents who moved six times in eight years. You get rid of as much as you can so that you don't keep moving superfluous belongings from place to place. Inevitably, there are a few boxes, unopened. They get moved from house to house. I'm sure that some of you possess these boxes in your garage, your basement, or your storage space. They're labeled family room, kitchen, playroom. We know that one day we will get around to opening those last few boxes and in them we hope to rediscover our most treasured forgotten keepsakes. Well, My friend tells the story that after the sixth move, his parents finally opened those last boxes that they had carted from home to home. And what do you think they found in the box marked kitchen? It was the lowly trash can from their original move that the moving company had dutifully packed Trash included. (laughs) True story. My move got me thinking about the things we let go of and the things we hold on to. We all carry boxes. Some of them are visible and material. Photos, old letters, generational keepsakes, treasured books, but also class notes from decades ago bill and tax receipts from the 1980s, and broken stereo equipment. (laughs) You have that too. Some of what we members of the Jewish community carry with us are our texts and our rituals, our ideas about God, our Torah, Shabbat practices, synagogue membership, this Kol Nidre ritual, We also carry things we might have better left behind. Lingering sexism, outmoded forms of worship, and seemingly empty practices. All individuals carry boxes filled with the emotional dispositions that move with us through different times and venues. Invisible boxes filled with habits attitudes and imprints that inform our relationships, feelings of love and compassion, but also of disappointment, hurt, and anger. We cart these boxes marked hurt and anger from place to place, not always even realizing that we are still holding on to them. Tonight, I want you to think about the way that we, as a Reformed Jewish congregation, and we, as individuals, decide which boxes we carry forward. Reformed Judaism, as a denomination, embraces the discerning process of keeping and discarding on this holiest day of the year, we think about what it means to hold on to our traditions and what it means to let go of old ways that conflict with contemporary values. This process of holding on and letting go can be straightforward. Can you imagine if we Reform Jews still covered our hair as my great grandmother did, or if women were only allowed to sit in the balcony, like in my grandparents' shul, or if we clung to the idea that LGBT Jews and women could not be rabbis or cantors, like in the Reform temple of my childhood. Of course not. We have collectively let go of all those ways. At the same time, look how many authentic Jewish traditions we have held on to. We continue to celebrate Shabbat, hang our mezuzahs, build Sukkot, chant the Shema, give tzedakah as a mandatory rather than discretionary act, thereby creating holy vibrant communities like this our heritage is filled with treasures worth carrying from home to home and from generation to generation between the extremes of discriminatory traditions and inherently meaningful rituals there are gray areas Take, for example, Kol Nidre. Think about the meaning of those sacred words. Let all our vows and oaths, all the promises we make and the obligations we incur to you, O God, between this Yom Kippur and the next be null and void should we, after honest effort, find ourselves unable to fulfill them. Then may we be absolved of them. Dr. Larry Hoffman explains, kol nidre actually is no prayer at all. Rather, it's a legal formula in Aramaic that delineates obscure categories of vows and oaths known to the Bible and to the rabbis, and then solemnly proclaims that we are free of all of them. The origin of this concern he teaches us was our ancestors' anxiety over reneging on promises sworn in God's name. The Talmud permitted such oaths to be canceled, but only one by one and in the presence of Talmudic sage. The idea of a blanket nullification was anathema to rabbis who first heard of it in the 8th and ninth centuries and denounced it, As a foolish custom. But as you can see, no one listened to them. We not only hold on to the tradition of hearing Kol Nidre, we embrace and treasure this as an authentic practice that sustains our Jewish identity. For many of us, that annual sound of the cello or the violin. And the cantor's voice evokes memories of standing in synagogue next to our own parents. Non-Jewish partners and family find the melody accessible. Children, teens, and young adults get it that this is a haunting and powerful Jewish song that causes our hearts either to sing or to break, often both. If your child can possibly sit through Kol Nidre and you did not bring them with you this year, that's okay. But bring them next year and every single year that they are in your home and you will create a potent memory, a lifelong treasure for them to carry with them from house to house. Judaism is, in the words of the great thinker Mordecai Kaplan, an evolving religious civilization. We Jews are forever deciding what to keep and what to set aside. In a famous Midrash, Moses watches as God draws crowns on the top of each letter of Torah. What are those crowns? asks Moses. God explains. They contain all of the Torah's mysteries. One day, a great teacher named Akiva will unfurl some of those mysteries with his students. Moses asks God, may I meet Akiva? According to the Midrash, Moses closes his eyes. When he opens them, he finds that he has been magically transported to the back of Akiva's classroom. It would be like any one of us getting in a time machine traveling 2,700 years into the future and coming to sit at the back of this congregation just to see how it all turned out at Congregation Emmanuel. Students ask questions about the Torah, and Rabbi Akiva teaches them. The only problem is, Moses has no idea what they are talking about. Moses sits there in despair when suddenly Rabbi Akiva says to his students, these laws are all based on the Torah of Moses. I love that story because it demonstrates that Judaism's practice of Change has been in effect forever. Yes, Moses would be confused if he time-traveled to Congregation Emmanuel and saw the way that we interpret Torah. But I am certain Moses would be equally baffled if he went to the most ultra-Orthodox yeshiva in Jerusalem and watched how they interpret Torah. I firmly believe that all Jews and all denominations engage in the ongoing process of adding and subtracting. But contemporary non-Orthodox Jews embrace the practice unapologetically. What gets us into debate and disagreement are the decisions themselves. I'm currently reading Fred Rosenbaum's Visions of Reform, a History of Congregation Emmanuel. Rabbi Jonathan and I are both excited and deeply humbled to partner with you as your new senior rabbis in shaping the vision for the next chapter of this remarkable synagogue, of continuing the legacy of Rabbi Pierce, of our outstanding clergy, and those before them. We want to learn with you but also challenge you to think about what draws you here, what draws you to services. Do you observe Shabbat and how do you do it? Do you let go because you disagree with the concept of Shabbat or does it get inconvenient? If you keep it, how do you keep it? Do you light candles? Do you shut off your cell phone? What? service time, what type of service would draw you to come maybe once a month to come together as an entire community to really welcome in Shabbat. We want to examine together your desire to practice Judaism, to study Torah, and to wrestle with the idea of God in the universe. Think about What Congregation Emmanuel can offer that will make Judaism a vital and treasured aspect of your human identity? Over time, we must discern together with patience, open hearts, and daring what to hold on to, and what to let go of so that 21st century Judaism will continue to thrive and the descendants of Fred Rosenbaum will have opportunity to write a hundred or a thousand